Okay, greater glory, week, uh, week four, and now I'm going to be talking about the pattern and how we journey through the very thing that I've described now with King David. Okay, what is the third stage of the river? The changing from glory to glory to being stretched into another place. Well, we see in the third level that, um, that we are at the waist deep. That means we're 50% um, in this world and we're 50% in the waters. We are so aware of both, of being in two realms, of the thinking and the planning of one world, but also the thinking and planning and the, and the movement of the other. We are so able to pick up what the Spirit of God is doing. We are completely mobile in the depth of the water. It just takes a little bit more and we will be knocked over because we're not sure-footed in our own identity anymore. We're standing in the presence of the Spirit of God. We can feel the waves. We can feel the movements. We know what the Spirit is doing. There's an incredible awareness that as the Spirit is moving, we are picking up what the Spirit is doing. And so it's just the most amazing place to be. It's refreshing. It's cool. It's wonderful, and we are very comfortable living in two realms. What does the journey look like? Well, when we look at Elijah and Elisha, we see that the next place that they came to was Jericho. Now, Jericho is the place where the walls broke down. This is the place where through Tehillah praise, they were able to smash the walls. This was the one place where we saw a different style of warfare. We see this incredible ability where they marched around, and they marched around the city. And you know that march is a form of praise. And using instruments is a form of praise. Using a shofar is a form of praise. These are all ways of praising God. Marching, jumping, and you being clamorously foolish is all ways of praising God. And God gives the Israelites a very clear mandate. This wall is going to come down through worship. And my friends... There are walls that we have to pull down through worship. When he came to the promised area, Jericho was their promise. God said to them, this wall is going to be one through worship. And as we go deeper in God, we start realizing something. The weapon of our warfare is not carnal. But we have a different way of doing warfare. We do warfare by praising and giving the glory to Jesus, the King of Kings. And as they marched around for seven days, on the seventh day, the Bible says they blew their shofars and they shouted and these massive walls came crashing down. Now those walls were absolutely incredible. People could build houses inside those walls. Chariots could rise, ride on those walls. Those walls could not be penetrated. And no weapon of warfare would have broken down that level of intimidation and that level of stronghold. But worship smashed it to the ground absolutely amazingly. So we see that when we start going deeper into the waste deepness of God, we start seeing that we've got a different way of doing warfare and it's not the way we used to do it. The name Jericho means fragrance. I love that. Fragrance. It says in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14 to 16. Thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ. Through us spreading everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved. And among those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death. But to the other the fragrance of life. Fragrance. So when you start being at this level of intimacy with the Father, you start smelling like Him. You start reflecting Him. You start being His fragrance. We know that when, when Jesus comes into a room, often the smell of the lily of the valley or the rose of Sharon 
comes with him because his fragrance comes into the room. It's just so absolutely amazing. It says in Ephesians 5 verse 1 and 2, Be therefore followers of Christ as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and has given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice for a sweet-smelling fragrance. So we are the fragrance of Christ to love, to love, to love, to love. We are not called to judge, my friends. We have not been given authority to judge. God is the only judge and he's not judging yet. And when he does start judging, it's going to start with the church. So any word that says God is judging, the world does not come from the heart of heaven because God said he was going to judge the church first, but he has not started judging. He is still pouring love out onto the people. Sometimes people put themselves under the judgment of the enemy because the accuser of the brethren finds a reason to judge them. But do not confuse who's doing the judging because it's not other and it can't be us. We have to be the fragrance of him wherever we go. What is happening in the hands of the potter at this point of time? Well, at this point of time, the potter takes this clay pot, which he made perfectly in the new shape, which has gone through the fire, and he dips it in glazing. He gives it its uniqueness. You see, pots that have not been glazed, they all have the same color. They all have a similar shape. They look very much the same. But he has not created us the same. He has made us all unique and fearfully and wonderfully made. And as we go through the process of refining, he gives us our own identity. And he dips the pot into the Beautiful glazing. And I love this. The glazing is made up of three things. Now, I really don't know anything about glazing. And I really don't even know the process. But what I did find, it's silica, it's flaxus, and it's aluminium oxide. And the process of those three things make it cope at higher pressures. It makes it stronger so that it cannot be broken. And well, it cannot be broken easily, and it can take far greater pressure. It absolutely increases its ability to stand, and then it gives it the uniqueness of its appearance. I love the fact that it takes three components, because it takes the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to give us the uniqueness of who we are and who he's made us to be. Every one of them has a part to play. The Holy Spirit transforms our mind. The Potter, Father God, reforms us. And Jesus leads us into the fullness of our inheritance as a son of God. It's just so amazing. And so now the pot is, the, the, the glazing, it's been, it's been glazed, it's been put into the glaze, and then it, it's put back into the fire for that glazing to set and to settle. And so as we look at the glaze, the different glaze pots, we see that they all look different, but they still haven't got the peak and the beauty of the ultimate color. But you can see that they are not the same anymore, that they have different giftings, different authority, and there's a uniqueness about them because they are in the place of greater glory where they know the movement of the Spirit. What is the face of glory? What is the face of the cherubs in the glory that we now present at this place of time? Well, it's the face of the lion. And I get so excited when I read about a lion because for me, I think the lion is the most amazing animal. And I just want to tell you what we have to learn about being lions when we go deeper in God, when we are at the level where we can feel the movement of God and where we are a waist deep. We have to understand that God has established us as lions. What does that mean? Well, the first thing we know about a lion, it establishes territory. The lion establishes territory. And, and the lion 
Mark's territory and nothing can come into the presence of their territory. The second thing we need to know about a lion, it's very confident. It knows who it, it, he is and he knows what he has to do. You know, it is to the lion that they compare Jesus, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So we have to understand that there's great authority that comes in the season of the lion. The next thing I want you to know about a lion, they say that a lion rests from 15 to 20 hours a day. Is that not amazing? It sleeps, it rests. As we go deeper in our revelation of our sonship, God takes us and what does he do? He makes us lie down and rest. He causes us to know that nothing happens from striving. It doesn't happen by your might and it doesn't happen by your power, but it happens from the Spirit of God and he leads us into incredible times of rest. And in the incredible times of rest, he empowers, he restores, he creates, and then he says, and he gives clarity of what he's called us to do. You see, when we were created, we weren't only created fearfully and wonderfully. We weren't only predestined. But Ephesians says that we were given the exact things that we were to do. We were predestined for works. That's what we were predestined for. And it's not the works of our own striving, running around doing all kinds of things, trying to impress God, because he's not impressed by our flesh and blood. He's not impressed by our striving, but he is impressed by the sons that come into his presence. And they give him glory, and they say, God, what do you want from us now? And he runs out, and they just do what God's told them to do. And they go, and they work together, and they come back, and they've achieved, and they also only eat live meat. You see, they eat Real, fresh manner for the day. The next thing about uh, the lions, it's the only cat family that operates in prides. And so we see this incredible miracle about the fact that the lions operate in prides, that they work together, that they are team, that they serve together, that they listen to the lion king's roar, they listen to the instruction of the one that carries the greatest authority, and God positions lion kings on earth to be able to carry the greater authority to direct the rest of the tribe, but they all listen to the ultimate lion king, which is Jesus Christ himself. And then finally, there is an incredible authority in the roar of the lion. When a lion roars, excuse me, <coughs> when a lion roars, that roar vibrates the very earth for five miles or eight kilometers. There is such an authority release when the lion roars that all of creation shakes at the roaring of the lion. And God releases a greater prophetic utterance on the authority of the voices of those that is prepared to go deeper and that are in the lion season, that when you declare and when you speak and when you prophesy, things change, things happen because there is a shaking in the vibrations of the earth and there is a shaking in the ploy of the enemy and we have to know that we have to be verbal when we speak and when we declare. We are not beggars that have to come before God and beg him for his will. We are sons. We are lions that have to spend time in rest and hear what the Father says and then shake the heavens and the earth with the purposes of heaven in prophetic utterance. And there is such an authority that comes from a lion. You see, somebody that knows how to be in two realms at the same time, somebody that knows the spirit realm so well that they go with the ebb and the flow, that knows exactly what the spirit is doing, even though they still have some measure of connection to the world, they are not shaken 
by the world because they know, because they know, because they know what the Spirit of God is doing. God wants to bring us into that incredible place. And so we see this wonderful picture of lions. I love lions. God often speaks to me through visions about lions and about the authority and about the territory um, establishing and about the shakings of the heaven through the voice. And it's when you get a revelation of this level of authority that you can speak to the weather and you can speak to creation and things have to change because you've spoken into it and you've spoken over it. We cannot underestimate the authority and the power The Bible says life and death is in the power of the tongue. That's for an ordinary person that hasn't even started learning their authority. How much more when you walk in authority? But then God holds you far more accountable for anything else that comes out of your mouth because you cannot give authority to darkness in any way because you carry so much authority in the power of your mouth in the season of being a lion in the glory of God. So we see the... The, the river is now waist deep. We see the journey of Jericho, the fragrance and worship bringing down walls. We see the process. We've been given our uniqueness and our color in the glazing. And we see the function, the roaring lion that rests in presence and exerts the fullness of energy to do what he's been told to do and then gets back into the presence of God. Okay, so what was the experience looking at the life of Joseph? Well, Joseph, who had been thrown into prison for injustice, and as I said to you before, we all have to walk the journey of the test of injustice, immediately wins favor in the prison, and he is raised up to be in charge of the whole prison. Now, can you imagine what it was like to be in charge of the prison? Those people were not easy people. They were murderers. They were people that that were fearless. They were thieves. They were people that were out of control. They were rebels. Everybody was scared of the prisoners. And yet Joseph had authority to bring order into the disorder at this level. He had a roaring lion voice and he established order and he won favor and people respected him in the prison as the 2RC of the prison. Everybody in that prison was put under the authority of Joseph in that point of time. And we also see that he continued in his gifting because he continued prophesying and he spoke with such authority that he said to the one man, you will live. And he said to the other man, you will die. Now that's amazing because he could have had his head cut off for saying things like that to the king's servants. He could have had his head cut off for daring to say to a king's service, you're going to die. And yet the authority that he carried, it was established and it happened and he won favor because of that and he won release because of that and he was not in any way jeopardized because of speaking truth in life and in love through the authority of the season of the roaring lion. It says in Genesis 39 verse 22, so the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison and he was made responsible for all that was done there. Joseph had the say to everything that happened in the prison. Amazing. God's ultimate destiny for him was to be to our sea of a country. God gave him the taste of seeing things bow to him. He then took him on the journey of dying and, and, and being absolutely broken from who he thought he was. And then when he gave him the uniqueness of his calling, 
He said, now I'm going to train you to be the two I see that I've called you to be. You see, when God has a destiny for you, friends, no man can stop that happening, but he's got to prepare you for that. And we see that he was the two I see of the household of Potiphar until he went through the testing of justice. And then he was the two I see of the prison. And do you know the prison was a far greater authority and responsibility. He had to cope with far more difficult things than he ever had to in the house of Potiphar. So God increased his ability. God polished other facets of the diamond of who he was, giving him greater authority to be all that God had intended for him to be. What is the responsibility for us in worship? Well, for me, I absolutely love this. And once again, I can just feel the spirit on it. You know, when we look at the picture of the tabernacle of worship, and we see that at the gate, Jesus, the crucified Christ is the gate. It is at the gate that we meet Jesus, the crucified Christ. And I've taught on this before. I'm just recapping. But it's also at the gate that the enemy is. And so many people that are always under warfare are standing at the gate that haven't moved in. Because it's at the gate that the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if you want to get out from under the continuous onslaught on your life, shift positions. And then we see that the spirit of glory comes out of our thanksgiving and leads us into the courts. And it's all of our effort. Thanksgiving is all about you. It's all about you just making the decision to thank God no matter what the circumstances. And we get led to the brazen altar where he starts dealing with our insecurities, with our bloodline curses, and with all the habits that we've held onto and thought it was okay and God doesn't think it's okay. He deals with our traumas. He deals with our soul wounds. He deals with our broken heart. And then through praise, he starts leading us to the, to the um, labor where he washes, where we wash our hands and our face. And I've taught on that. And then we go into a high praise. Now, thanksgiving and praise, it's all about your effort. But the moment we move into Tehillah praise or high praise, the presence of the Holy Spirit starts being felt. And that's when we experience being knee deep. But then, after the labor, as the presence starts being felt, our effort gets left less. And in Tehillah praise, it's not about jumping and shouting and declaring and convincing yourself that Jesus is Lord. Suddenly there's in the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we move into the holy place, as we shift, every time there's a shift, there's an atmosphere change. You know something has shifted. You know that something changes because something shifts. And as we go into the, ho to the holy place, we are confronted by the kabod glory of God. And we meet Jesus, the King of glory. We meet the resurrected Christ. My friends, people say that, that it's all about the cross and the cross is enough. No, the cross is not enough. The cross is the entrance gate. We need to go through the cross. We need to come to the cross, go through the cross. That's the entrance gate. But Jesus did not die for us to meet him at the cross. He waited three days and he was resurrected. And it's the resurrected Christ, the resurrected God that came to give us life and life in abundance. And if we believe it all ends at the cross, we are continuously facing the humanity of our own failure. And we continuously saying, I'm a sinner saved by grace. And we stay there. We stay in the warfare at the place where the enemy is continuously attacking us under warfare. It is not about the cross. The cross 
is the beginning and we have to go through the cross we can get to the father no other way the cross is vital because we need the power of the blood of jesus the garment of salvation to be able to enter in but my friends it's only the entry point and then we need the transforming by the spirit of glory the transforming of our mind to receive the robe of righteousness and to receive our identity and we enter into the holy place and we meet the king of glory we meet the lord mighty in battle and from this moment onwards when tehila praise comes in when we start entering the kabod which is the womb of the creative power of god which is the the weightiness of presence where you prophesy into that incredible cloud of glory and the supernatural happens this is where the angels start manifesting this is where the gold dust starts coming this is where you start seeing something of heaven colliding with earth and something of supernatural touching earth and this is where the supernatural happens this is where things change and this is where worship fights the battles You see my friends when you go into the holy place you just say king of glory lord of war lord of battle will you release angels to fight on my behalf we don't fight anymore our greatest weapon of warfare is worship because as we go deeper into worship we go deeper into glory we go deeper into the revelation that we have someone that fights on our behalf it's the most amazing place to be It's the most amazing place to be. It is in that holy place that we meet the resurrected Christ in his fullness. This is also when people start having visions of Jesus, where they start smelling the perfume and the fragrance. He said it's Jericho. You smell the perfume and the fragrance and you see the angelic starting to operate. It's in this place that we encounter the showbread It's in this place that we encounter the fullness of the seven candlesticks the fullness Jesus said I am the light of the world Jesus said I am the bread of life and then we also meet the table the incense of prayers of the saints and he says I'm the one praying for you day and night this is the first time that prayer is mentioned in our worship this is the first time that we change from worshiping to coming before him and saying can we present something in prayer why it's out of the relationship with the king of glory david had such an incredible understanding of that when he wrote psalm 24 lift up your heads oh he gates who can ascend the hill of the lord he who has clean hands and a pure heart you've got to walk past the laver to go into the holy place and then you lift up your heads and you let the king of glory come in because it, from changing to glory from glory to glory to glory we have to encounter the fullness of the spirit of glory we have to encounter the fullness of the king of glory and ultimately they will lead us to the fullness of the father of glory such an amazing encounter it is the holy place i want you to understand this friends glory is holiness you cannot separate glory and holiness if we come into any measure of glory without holiness it is not the river of god the river of god leads us into incredible holiness and it's not about you becoming holy by your own effort it's about you allowing him to wash you and wash you and wash you until what you reflect is holy 
because it's holy ground. He takes us into a holy place. It's holy ground. Every time that there was, there was any form of interaction with holy ground, they had to take off their shoes because we cannot stand in our identity in a place that is holy ground. It's just the most amazing, most beautiful place to be. And that is when we are waist deep. And now I need to quickly touch on the fourth level and the final level. And that's when we are so deep that we can't stand at all. And that's where God wants us to be. He wants us to be in the place where the, where the Holy Spirit is in complete control of our lives. You see, the disciples were servants. They were friends. But after they encountered the power and the fire of the Holy Spirit, they were completely controlled by the Holy Spirit. And they were now no longer human beings trying to be good. They were men of authority that wherever they went, the supernatural manifested. And God says, I'm looking for sons. I'm looking for people that wherever they are, I manifest because they know who I am and I know them because they are saturated in the fullness of my river. And so as we go into the fourth stage, saturated, you can't stand, you can only float in the river, you can swim in the river, you are completely being carried by the flow and the movement of the Holy Spirit. There's just the most incredible revelation that God is in control and His Spirit is the one that's in control and all we've got to do is rest and go with the flow of the Spirit of God. Amazing place what is the fourth place that they had to come to in the journey with Elijah and Elisha they came to the Jordan River and the Jordan River means the descender and we see that at this place Elijah took his mantle of authority and he touched the waters and it separated and they were able to walk through and when they came to the other side Elisha said to him I want your mantle. And Elijah said to Elisha, I can't give it to you. But if you see me going, the father will give it to you if he wants to. And Elijah watched and he saw a chariot of fire come and separate him. And Elisha watched as the chariot of fire came and separated him and Elijah. And he saw Elijah ascend. And whether he was in the chariot or whether the chariot just separated them, who knows. But what we do know is the father dropped the mantle. And my friends, when you are at the level of being at the depth where the Holy Spirit is in complete control, the father gives you your mantle. And in that moment when Elisha picked up that mantle, he was on the other side of a river and he had to cross over and he took that mantle and he touched that water. And the moment he touched that water, the water separated. You see, when you get your mantle, you've got to use it. When you get your mantle, you've got to use it. You can't just wear it. You've got to use it. You've got the authority of your mantle that you have to use from that minute onwards. So God says, here's your mantle. You walk in it. You operate it. It is yours. You walk in the authority of the mantle that I've given you. And Elisha would have been stuck on that side of the Jordan. And that mantle would have been useless to him if he did not take it and touch that water. To walk in the full authority of that mantle. And we all know what happened. It says in 2 Kings 2 verse 8. And Elijah took the mantle and wrapped it together. And smote the waters. And they were divided hither and thither. So that they went over the dry land. And that was Elijah. And Elisha did exactly the same thing. We know that because Elisha picked up the mantle and immediately used it. He ended up operating 
in a double mantle. He did double the amount of miracles. Everything in his life was double to that of Elijah. And God is looking for a people. He said the generation that's going to rise up now as sons of God are going to do much more than Jesus ever did. We are walking in a double mantle. And my friends, it's time we picked up the mantle and we started walking in the authority of the mantle that God has got for us in this season. How do we get it? We have to let him lead us there. And we have to be obedient and we have to do what he's told us to do. What was the process of the pot and the clay? Well, the pot came out of the fire. Elisha had to cross that river with Elijah, and then he had to cross it back. He had to go through a fire. But in the moment that it came out of the fire, it had the most beautiful and unique color. You see, that pot was now ready. That bowl was now ready. It was ready to do everything it was created to do. It was strong. It could take far more heat than it ever thought it could before. You can take more heat than you think. I want to tell you now, don't give up so easily. Don't settle for second best. Don't run for help left, right, and center. Stand, walk in what God has got. You can take far more heat than you think you can. And it had the uniqueness. There's not two Things made in the hands of a potter that look identical, not to. They all have the uniqueness, their shape, their color, the way the color molded, the way the color fired. And suddenly you see this incredibly beautiful vessel that the father had been waiting to establish all this time. Beautiful, exactly what he called it to, do, to be. What is the season of glory? It is the face of a man. This is the first time. Whew, I'm sorry, I'm just so aware of God's presence. This is the first time that he presents his sons. What he shows in the glory are the sons, the sons that he's prepared. And they stand in the glory and he says, this is my son. Look at the sons that I've prepared in this season. And they stand as sons. And it says in John 14, 12, Verily I say to you, he that believes in me, the works that I shall, that I shall do, he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto the Father. The Father said a time is coming in Romans 8, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God, for the earnest expectation of creation waits for the manifestations of the sons of God. God is looking for his sons to arise. He's looking for his sons to arise. He's looking for his sons to stand in the glory around him, seated with the Father and Jesus in heavenly places, unshakable knowing the authority and the garment that they carry. These are the ones that are going to be given the identity as sons of a king. They're going to carry an anointing that is the greater anointing for this last day. My friends, the sons of God need to arise with everything that's happening in the world, with the corona, with the fear, with the shakings, with the earthquakes, with the fires. It's time for the sons of God to arise and to take authority and to speak with authority into what God has prepared for them. It says that that is the generation that's going to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the sons and the heart of the sons back to the father 1 corinthians 10 31 says therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do everything to the glory of god this is living in a time and a place where every single thing about you is glory glory wherever you are manifest glory whatever you do manifest glory it's not about being having these momentary 
touches of glory in high worship. It's about walking in glory, ushering in glory, being the light, being the ones that are glory openers for other people, that are portal openers for other people. It's releasing glory wherever we go. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Matthew, Matthew 5 verse 9. And that does not mean people that stop an argument. It means people that shift the heavens and change the atmosphere that peace can arise. If you have seen me, Jesus said, you have seen the Father. John 20 verse 29. That's exactly what the sons of God will say. If you've seen me, you'll see the Father. Not because of their humanity, but because of the great glory that is manifesting through them and the mantle that they wear. What was the experience that um, Joseph had? The door suddenly opened. My friend, there's an incredible suddenly that happens when we go into the greater glory with God. There's a suddenly that suddenly the doors open. It looks like it's never going to happen. It looks like it's never going to happen. You know, King David didn't think he was ever going to get through the valley of the shadow of death. Joseph didn't think that door was ever going to happen. One day he was a prisoner. And the next minute he was the advisor to the king. And if you've been waiting, if you've been waiting and you've been faithful and you've been trusting God and you've been waiting, the suddenly is about to break open and break through because the Father has need of you. The Father has need of you to take your position. And the suddenly is going to overwhelm you beyond your wildest dreams. It says in Proverbs 18 verse 16, a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. Genesis 41 to 45 tells us the story of Joseph. And here we see the door opening. It said that he shaved and he washed. He didn't wear anything of the wilderness clothes. He didn't go in there smelling like a prison. You see, when we've been through this process, friends, we can't go in there with a mindset of yesterday. We've got to go in there with a mindset of today. You cannot think like a servant. You cannot present yourself like a servant. You cannot um, be pious like a servant you've got to walk in there like the son of God that says I know who I am I know who my dad is I know that he loves I know that he brings changes I know that he has all authority and I've come to represent him in this place that I am now with the fullness of love with the fullness of mercy but with the authority that says I cannot and will not be shaken and no weapon that is formed against me will or can prosper because I'm the one with the mantle and I'm the one that things change because heaven has collided with earth through my life. That's what sons look like and that's how sons speak. Now what is our response when we look at the tabernacle of David? We now are led through the kabod by Jesus, the King of glory into the Holy of Holies, where only the high priest could go in the past, my friends. But it's open to all of us now. And this is where we meet the Shekinah. This is where the Father of glory meets us. And the fullness of Shekinah, that overwhelming presence, that when Moses came out of Shekinah, they couldn't even look on his face. That overwhelming presence of the Father. But my friends, nothing can come into the Shekinah that isn't holy. Nothing can come into the Shekinah that hasn't been prepared well. And the Father is desperate 
to release his Shekinah glory on this earth. He is desperate. He's been wanting to do so. But as I was preparing this and praying about this, God said, I cannot release my Shekinah until there are a people that are ready. Because where my Shekinah presents itself, those that are not ready will die. It says in Psalm 29 verse 3, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters, and the God of glory thunders, and the Lord is upon many waters. Ephesians 1.17 says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. God says that we have to know that his Shekinah is about to be poured off, but out, but we have to be ready. He's not looking for the multitudes. He's looking for a remnant that are prepared to stand in his presence, ready for the mantle. You know, there were many prophets along the journey with Elijah and all of them kept discouraging him and saying, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. But Elisha would not be shaken and he went and he fetched it. And my friends, God is looking for people that will not be shaken. This is where we go into a high worship. And you know, when we worship, there's no effort of us at all. The Shekinah is so heavy that the only position that we can have is to bow down or to be on our face before him, to be still and to know that he is God, to be quiet because the Father wants to speak. This is a time where presence overwhelms us and we can hardly breathe with the weightiness of the atmosphere of pure holiness and pure glory being around us. Psalm 5, 7 says, But as for me, I will come into your house in the multitude of your mercy, and in your fear will I worship toward your holy temple. Psalm 39, 2 says, Give unto the Lord the the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Psalm 9, verse 6 says, Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker. Verse 9, Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. Fear before him all the earth. Our only position is prostrate. Jordan means to descend. We have to descend. We have to lay before him, knowing he is everything. He is everything. He is everything. We've got to be completely in the place where the river of Ezekiel completely has control over our life. He is everything. He's looking for the place that he can have a habitation. He's looking for people where he can present himself to live permanently and to manifest permanently. God is looking for habitation. He's not looking for visitation. Flesh and demons cannot operate where the Shekinah is. And now I just want to tell you a few stories of where people were not prepared for the Shekinah. When we see Moses, he'd come out of the presence of God. We know that he was so radiant that he had to hide his face. We know that in the presence, God gave him the, the, um, he took out of the ark, he gave him the, the, the rod of Aaron out of the Holy of Holies. And he said, he took out of the presence of God, he said, this is your, this is your anointing. This is what you are to carry. The same way that Elisha was given that anointed mantle. And he said, touch the rock. And we know in Numbers 20 verse 9 to 12, Moses, because he was angry, hit the rock. And in that moment, he took what was sacred and what was holy and he used 
flesh with it. And he lost his destiny. He could not enter into the promised land because flesh cannot manifest where the Holy of Holy is, where the Shekinah is. He lost his destiny because of anger. Then we see the story of Samson. Samson was a Nazarite, which means separated and consecrated to God. He was called to live a holy, consecrated life. And he was told that your strength and your mantle is your hair. And he was told no one was to touch that hair. And we can see the story in Judges 16 verse 17. But because of a woman and because of seduction and because of flesh, he allowed his hair to be cut and he lost the mantle. And we see what happened to him. His eyes were budged out. He, he lost his prophetic insight. He was thrown into a prison and, and he lost his destiny. And it was the mercy of God that allowed his hair to grow again, that he could actually manifest, but he lost his life in the process. The next one I want you to look at is the Philistines. It says that the, the Ark of God, the, the, because the Ark is where the Holy of Holies was manifest in the Old Testament, and the Ark was stolen by the, the Philistines, and they had not cleansed themselves or prepared themselves. And when they opened the Ark and dared to touch the Shekinah, 70 of them dropped dead immediately. 1 Samuel 6, verse 19 to 20. God said to me, I cannot pour out my Shekinah because people will die. And I said, God, show me, teach me, give me the revelation of this. The next thing we see, Saul, King Saul. Saul went to Gilgal where the priest had to bring a sacrifice because Gilgal is the place of removing the reproach. The priest had to remove the sacrifice of Saul and Saul got impatient and he decided to do it himself. 1 Samuel 13. And in the process of touching that which was sacred and holy, Saul lost his kingdom. The next one we see is Zechariah. And here we see that this is the father of John. And he was holy and he was pure and he prepared himself well. And he went into the Holy of Holies and, and the angel came to meet with him and he said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And you see the presence of God manifest into the presence of God on earth, the Holy of Holies. And he said, I've come. And he told him that he was going to have a son. And in that moment, the spirit of doubt operated in Zechariah. And because the spirit of doubt operated in Zechariah, he was dumbstruck and he could not speak again until the son was born. Because we cannot bring doubt into the Holy of Holies. We have to unshakably believe that the Father is who he says he is. The next thing that I want to talk about is the priests. Number seven, the priests that were to go into the Holy of Holies, they had to wear a strap at their ankle just in case they had not prepared well enough and they were struck dead in the Holy of Holies so that people could pull them out. And they had fear of God and they knew that if they were not well enough prepared, they would be struck dead. You see, my friends, to go into the Shekinah glory we have to be well prepared and it's not our effort. We've got to walk We've got to fight fear, and we've got to stay in the presence of God. It's all about what he's going to do in the process. We cannot make ourselves holy. We can only be obedient. And the next one, I said, well, God, those are all old-fashioned. Old those are all Old Testament examples. The other one that he showed me was Uzzah. 
And we see 2 Samuel 6 verse 7 that the ark is returning to Israel and, and it's the, the oxen stumble and the ark is starting to fall off the, the cart and Uzzah reaches out to touch it to stop it falling and drops dead right immediately why he had not presented himself to be able to walk in and touch that which was holy of holies. And then I said, well, God, that's amazing. But how does that happen when it comes to the New Testament? And God led me to Acts 4 and Acts 5. And if you look at Acts 4 and Acts 5, it says that they were in the presence of the Holy Spirit. There was just such an anointing that was on the, on the disciples, on the apostles, and on the people. There was such an anointing. And they were living kingdom lifestyle. They sold everything they owned. They shared everything. They were loving each other. They were looking after each other, and they were worshiping God. Over the page in Acts 5, it says that when they went and they, they gathered, that the people were so in awe at the presence of God, there were so many supernatural things that happened that nobody joined them, but people were added to their number daily. Those that were wanting to be spectators could not join them because they couldn't be where the presence of the Shekinah was. But those that were passionate for more, that were hungry, were added to their number and became part of that group. It was in that atmosphere of the supernatural Shekinah manifesting in the early church that Ananias lied and Sapphira came into agreement with his lie. And when they came and stood before Peter in the Shekinah presence of God and they lied, they were struck dead immediately. My friends, God is about to pour out his Shekinah because he's about to bring the greatest glory that the world has ever seen. And it's going to land on those that have prepared themselves. And I want to tell you now, the fear of God is going to return to the church. The fear of God, the reverent fear of God is going to return to the church. And where the church has been represented as compromising, as weak, as powerless, as being an extension of the world, as being a party of entertainment, God is looking for the remnant that are saying, I will not stop until I have received what you've got for me, that are prepared to walk the journey, that are prepared to go through every level of, of God, working on them, crashing, dealing with their insecurities, dealing with whatever, leading them through Psalm 22, leading them through Psalm 23, and leading them into Psalm 24. He's about to deal with every single remnant who's desperate for more. He's about to deal and take us deeper in the river, stretching us there. And I want to tell you, many people have already been stretched. We started off with a church that was ankle deep, but there are many that are needy. There are many that are waist deep, and he's wanting those that are completely... <coughs> Excuse me. That are completely saturated. He's wanting to present his sons into the atmosphere of glory in the heavens. He's wanting to give them mantles of double portion in this time. <coughs> He's wanting to open the doors of suddenly that we can walk into the fullness of what we've been created for. Please excuse me. <coughs> Sorry, my dry throat. He's looking for worshippers. Jesus said the Father is looking for worshippers. Those that will worship him in spirit and truth. My friends, there's no other way to get into the greater glory of God than to be a true worshiper. The Father is looking for worshippers so that he can give them the double mantle 
that we can walk into the fullness of what he's prepared for his sons in this time and in this season with the authority that will shake the world. The Father is about to shake the world with his sons. What is our responsibility? Walk. (coughs) Take authority over fear. And come into his presence. That's our responsibility. Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry. My throat's just a bit dry from talking so long. What does he want to do? He wants us to stand unshakably. He wants us to reach a dying world. The greatest harvest is about to come in. And the greatest harvest is going to come in through those who know him. Who knows he is his authority that are not shaken, that are not fearful. He said that the, the spirit of Elijah will be operating people that have no fear against the works of the evil one. People that know their identity. Please excuse me. People that will know how to draw supernatural food from heaven. People that will open the heavens for other people. People that will shift the atmosphere. And people that will be a light. That people, the nations will be drawn to your light. That's his promise. The nations will be drawn to your light. Jesus cannot come back until the sons have been manifested. Jesus cannot come back until the end time harvest has come in because his bride is still lost. And he cannot come back until his sons do more than he did because that's what he said we would do. My beautiful friend, I pray for you, Father. Father, almighty God, lead us into greater glory. Let us not shy back. Let us not stop. Let us not stop, even though we're shaking, even though it's difficult, even though we don't understand, even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We can't look back. Fear is ahead of us. Fear is on either side of us. Just like Peter, we are walking on the water and there are storms, God. But as we fix our eyes on Jesus, as we fix our eyes on the King of glory, as we fix our eyes on the Lord mighty in battle, as we fix our eyes, you will lead us into the Shekinah. Wherever the Shekinah is, the seraphim are, the angels of fire. Wherever the Shekinah is, the cherubim are, the angels of glory. Wherever the Shekinah is, supernatural manifestations happen. Not only do we see little feathers, not only do we see gold dust, but God pours heaven to earth. This is where the supernatural intervention of miracles, signs and wonders manifest on earth. Bibles pouring oil, incredible jewels. This is where angelic forces are everywhere. This is where the angels are released to work on our behalf. This is where we worship and bow down and are in awe. While the Father commissions us and the angels walk on our behalf, this is where he releases more angels to work with you because every mantle has angels that work with that. My friends, go. Do not stop until you come into the fullness, until you are so led by the Spirit that you can't touch ground, until whatever this world has got to offer doesn't mean a thing to you because you are completely living from the heavens to earth. You are completely living in the fullness of the supernatural power of God. He's about to pour out his Shekinah on this earth. He said the greatest revival is still coming. 
He keeps saying the tsunami is about a break. He cannot pour out his Shekinah unless we are ready to walk in it. And that's the only reason he hasn't done it yet. Let's get ready. He only needs a remnant of radical, powerful, unshakable believers who know because they know because they know that their God is not a man that he should lie. That it doesn't matter what the circumstances are. He is the God that is above every circumstance. He's the God of the impossible. And if he said it, he will do it. And that settles it. God bless you abundantly. I love you incredibly. My messages are to empower you to be brave and very courageous and not to stop until you've got everything that he has for you. God bless you wonderfully.